Good morning, beloved. Uh, Jonathan Coleman, one of your pastors here at Anderson Hills Church. Uh, I want to open in prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. For you are our rock and redeemer. We thank you, and I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. He came from the sea, a brawny, boisterous man. He loved nothing better than the spray of the sea on his face. As he pitted his craft against the gale, his calloused hands locked on the tiller. There was always a defiant cry on his lips, and he smelled like fish. He was an impulsive man, quick to make decisions, and equally quick to make mistakes. Yet he never stopped to listen sometimes. Instead, he plunged straight on, straight forward, rushing from one concern to the other, always in the thick of things, acting first and thinking about them afterward. So too, he was a man of moods. One moment courageously casting caution to the winds, the next cringing before his circumstances. His name was Simon. Jesus took one look at him and called him Rock. Prophetic name that stuck with him. And so he entered history in that time straight ahead as Petros. Or more familiar, Peter. We're kicking off a brand new series called Peter, the Unlikely Disciples. And oh, he was so unlikely. It's not just a message series, my friends. It's a, it's a church-wide study. We're all together in this. It's a time when most of our life groups study the same thing. We read the same scriptures together as a community of faith, as the body of Christ. We start new groups for those who aren't in a group yet. And maybe you're realizing right now, right now, <laughs> I need to join a group. But you didn't do it yet. Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to andersonhills.org to the events page. You're going to click on the church-wide study. You'll get a list of opening groups. And you can also go into Narthex or the Annex or out here, not the Annex, the atrium. (laughs) And sign up too. You pick one and you show up. It's that easy. And I promise no one will be making fun of you for procrastinating. If they do make fun of you, just come and tell me or Pastor Mark or Pastor John or Pastor Sue Lee. And we'll fight for you, okay? And since I made that threat publicly, and I know Pastor John did this morning as well, I'm sure they'll be so scared they won't even consider it. And hey, do you want to go up against Pastor Sue Lee anyway? Are you kidding me? You're laughing with me, right? But I'm telling you this morning, you do it. 
seriously, we're going to study the life of Peter together. The disciple who is faithful some of the time, but also an incredible failure some of the time. I could say that about myself. When we talk about people in the Bible, we tend to say, well, I can't be as good as them. I mean, they're featured in the Bible, right? Well, Peter's going to prove that theory wrong, my friends. Jesus said, I am here to bring life and life more abundantly. And in his mind, he was going to find 12 people, train them, pour his life into them, and then go to heaven and entrust those 12 to carry on his message, God's message, around the world. And when he did that, who did he choose to be in his inner circle, to do this, to pour his life? Was it the best writers? Was it the brightest? The most talented? The most gifted people? No. He chose ordinary people. I'll prove it to you. We're going to talk about Peter's calling. But first, let's jump forward. After Jesus ascended into heaven and Peter is leading the church, the church has grown to a few thousand people in a very short time. And the Jewish leaders, they're really mad about this growth. And they're trying to stomp it out. All this Jesus stuff. They want to get rid of it. Because they're the ones that had him crucified. And this is not looking good for them because he's come to life and so they arrest Peter and John for spreading this message and they put him on trial and here's what they concluded look at Acts 4 13 with me when they saw the courage of Peter and John they realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus you see these ordinary everyday average guys They were doing something supernatural. How did they do it? They had been with Jesus. That's all. They had been with him. Now here's the beauty of it. The word that is translated as ordinary, it should be something else. It's not a good translation. You see, the Bible translators were very polite. The word in the Greek... The Greek word, and I don't throw out much Greek (laughs) from time to time, is idiote. Idiote, look at that. In the Greek, ordinary. It meant ignorant or unlearned person. No surprise, that's where we get the the English word idiot. That originates from. The, The Jewish leaders, they were astonished that these uneducated idiots were doing what they were doing. Now, we don't support name-calling around here, but this is how they referred to the church leaders. This is how they referred to Peter. They were idiots. And some of you are saying, well, the New Testament church was led by idiots? (laughs) Wow, Anderson Hills is more likely like the early church than I ever realized. (laughs) I love being around idiots who are simply foolish enough to believe Jesus is who he said he is. And we believe that we can do what he says we can do. Just total idiots. Idiots who don't know what can't be done. 
who believe that all things are possible with God. Jesus chose these uneducated fishermen. He chose tax collectors who were despised. He chose guys that were known for having tempers. Mostly blue-collar guys, like in our day, that would be hanging around the seaside pub. He did not call. You know who he did not call in his inner circle? He didn't call a single person from the religious establishment. Not a scribe, not a Pharisee, not a Sadducee. He called everyday, ordinary idiots who believed him at his word. God is looking for idiots Not just ordinary idiots, because they can be dangerous, right? (laughs) We're not talking about these idiots. Check out this this slide here. I'm not talking about these guys. (laughs) We're talking about idiots who knew who Jesus is, who believe in him, and who are willing to follow him no matter what the personal cost is. I believe that you... And me are a church full of idiots for Jesus who are, who are growing together to see who he is and who he wants us to be. And we're unwilling to settle for anything less. Idiots who've been with Jesus give their whole lives to him. Not just an hour on the weekend. It's a lifestyle. It's a rhythm of life together who are sold out for Jesus. And Peter's the guy we're talking about. He's undoubtedly the head idiot. (laughs) He was a fisherman. And I want to tell you, one day he didn't catch anything. And Jesus came along. It was his first interaction with Jesus. He came along and he said, Jesus said, hey, try the other side of the boat. And they did it. As ridiculous as it sounded to Peter, they did it on the other side. And so they caught so many fish that they freaked out. And here's Peter's response. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. You see, when you recognize the call of God and just how holy God is, at that moment, sometimes don't you see how truly sinful you are? I know I do. And Peter said, I'm a sinful man. I'm not good enough to be standing in your presence. But Jesus disagreed, my friends. Luke 5, 10 through 11. And so James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners, and Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up onto the shore, and they left everything and followed him. Wow. Isn't that astonishing? It makes the hair of my neck just stand up. It's incredible. Something happened there. They left their boats. They left their careers. They left their dreams. They said, we're all in, Jesus. We're all in. Notice what they didn't do. They didn't say this little prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that I'm a sinner. Please save me. Keep me out of hell. Get me into heaven. Amen. I did that, okay? Now I can go on with my regular life. No, they didn't pray that prayer. (laughs) They didn't pray that self-centered prayer. They lived a life that was Jesus-centric. And you see the difference. 
they were willing to leave everything. It's like this. You ever watch a, a TV poker? You know, and some guys and gals, they get some little cards, and then they go, they put two chips in. <laughs> That's the way a lot of people do with the Jesus thing. Okay, I'll put one chip in. I'll give this much, but I'm not going to, I'm going to keep the rest to myself. Okay, let's see what the cards look like, and I'll gamble this much. What these guys did, without even looking at the cards, they said, if you're telling us that we can make a difference, and you are who you say you are, then we're taking all of our chips, and we're doing this. We are all in. Not just sort of in, but idiot in. <laughs> Radical, complete, total surrender to the Lord's calling. You see, God calls people in different ways. Different people in different ways. Every person is called to follow Jesus. That's your primary calling in life, my friends. And once you've said yes to Jesus, God continues to call you to various things through the power of the Holy Spirit. You feel like God is calling you to ministry? Not just vocational ministry like being a missionary or a, a pastor or even being called to minister in hostile, hostile environments like being the chaplain for the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? God forbid, right? Now some of you may say, hang on, I don't know much about Scripture. I'm not good enough. I get nervous praying with people, so how can I make a difference? Well, let me talk to you who feel very confident and very talented first. Those of you who graduated the top of your class and you were voted most likely to succeed and you were incredibly pretty and you were the best athlete like me in 1989 track captain, you know? Yeah, right, but that's all I could attribute myself to. Couldn't attribute to my grades. Or those in first grade who could already burp the entire alphabet. Isn't it funny how our peers tend to affirm the things that have the least actual value in our lives? If you're one of those talented ones, I've got great news. Yeah, God can still use you. He can. It's just that he prefers to use the ordinary, the underdogs. Listen to this. God doesn't call the prepared, but he prepares the called. He does. You are called by God to minister to others, and he will prepare you for that journey. God specializes in using ordinary people. For some pastors, they receive this call like Moses in a, a burning bush. It's a time where you just know, you know so deeply what God is calling you to do. I had one of those burning bush moments right here in this sanctuary. It was late summer, 1991. It was a few months after I became a Christian. At the time, I had a pretty good idea what I wanted to do. I was a Hoosier farm boy. Came from one of the smallest and poorest counties in Indiana, Ohio County. Had an Ohio County type of education. <laughs> I truly wanted to be, like my mother and my dad, a social worker or an alcohol and drug counselor, to maybe work at a hospital or an assisted living center. 
I was attending this church with my fiance at the time, Kim Schindler and her family. Being a pastor never crossed my mind at all. But one Sunday, everything changed. I was sitting. Right here. Right here. They should put a plaque right here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And I had just taken communion. I went up and I received the elements. And I walked back down, you know, I walked back around. And I went back to my pew and I, you know, I bowed my head after communion as, as we do. A few moments into my prayer, I heard God saying to me, Jonathan, I want you to be a minister of my gospel. When I heard this, I looked up. I saw the altar. I saw the pastors starting to cover the elements of communion. And I watched them cover those elements, and all I could hear was that, those words, Jonathan, I want you to be a minister of my gospel. And I remember trembling, and I was so nervous. And I, I turned to Kimberly, and I said to her, I think God wants me to be a minister. She laughed. <laughs> no, I said, no, seriously. I heard God's voice. God wants me to be a minister. And I remember at that time, I just, I felt so unequipped, so undeserving. I felt like an idiot. <laughs> I felt like Peter. There was a part of me that says, God, leave me alone. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. I'm just totally inadequate. Well, Kim suggested I meet with Pastor David Ashworth. I made an appointment with him that week. I told him what happened. I really didn't know what to do. What does this mean? Where to begin? He sat. He smiled. He listened. Then he picked up the phone and he called the Cincinnati district office at the time and told the secretary he had a young man that was called into ministry. Folks, within a matter of minutes, there was a beginning to a path to walk. Faithful step by faithful step. I remember the joy that came to me. God took care of it all. I was all in. I slid the chips across the table. The nets fell on the floor. What about you? What would it take for you to be all in for Jesus Christ? Now, God may be calling someone here to full-time ministry. But maybe God is calling you to completely to surrender, to allow you to be utilized by Him in the lives of those around you, in a very powerful, profound way, as ordinary. Maybe to serve in our youth ministry or children's ministry. Maybe to share your faith with friends and be an ambassador of the gospel in your career. Or serving here at Anderson Hills in our, our choir or handbells or our uh, mission trips or our assisted living centers. Folks, there's always a call by God for each person. Let me say that again. There's always a call by God for each person, day in and day out. And what if you laid down your nets and with all of who you are said, I'll follow that call. Now, I don't want to paint a rosy picture. The disciples often mess this up. 
Numerous times they would be in the rousing game of comparison. Who's the greatest? It must be me. They were seeking power and greatness, and there at times there was denial. Little did they know that following Jesus would ultimately lead with sometimes violent death. Because the world couldn't stand their message. But the message purified the world. Their message changed the world. Their message saved lives, transformed lives. And God is in the business of changing lives. And he chooses to use you and I as ambassadors, as employees of that life-changing business. You know, when we come to Jesus, we're all so excited to, to know him and to give our lives in him. And we're so overwhelmed by his grace and thankful that he died to save us. But sometimes as time goes on, something weird begins to happen to us. We begin to think. And it creeps in that our greatest gift is expertise that we bring to God's kingdom. Surely, yeah, God needs people who are spiritual, smart, talented, or good-looking, or whatever. But my gift in the world is not to be a gift of greatness. It's the simple fact of just following Him and being with Him that matters. To give our lives wholeheartedly to Him, to be obedient to Him, to serve Him. But don't take this lightly. Giving your life to Jesus is not a small thing. It's really saying, <laughs> I'm going to take Jonathan off the throne. And I'm going to put Jesus on the throne. And when there's a conflict between what Jonathan wants and what Jesus wants, I'm going to go with what Jesus wants. For Peter, this change was so radical. Remember his name wasn't originally Peter, it was Simon. And you know what Simon means? The one who listens. But Peter means rock. Because he was the rock on which whom Jesus would build his church. Just wasn't just a nickname. It was a prophetic name. A new identity type of name. And that was a special calling for Peter. And God may have a special calling for you as well. And I'm 100% certain that that is a fact. What does it look like today to follow Jesus with the same reckless abandonment? If Jesus was going to give you a nickname that represented your call, what might that name be? Maybe Jesus is calling you to be a stay-at-home parent who models him so your children will be raised in grace and truth or grandchildren raised in grace and truth. He may be calling you to be a godly lawyer or accountant who seeks justice and seeks the betterment of people's lives and rejects evil. He may be calling you to be a Christian contractor who builds with excellence to the glory of God. We've got to remember what God tells us in Colossians 3, 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that I will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And it is the Lord Christ you are serving. This week, I, I had a hymn constantly come to my mind, and it was Jesus Calls Us or the Turmoil. Jesus calls us or the turmoil of our life's wild, restless sea. Day by day, his voice calleth, saying, Christian, follow me. As of old, St. Andrew heard it. You can add Peter to that. By the Galilean lake, turn from home and work and kindred, leaving all for Jesus' sake. 
Jesus calls us from the worship in vain's world golden store, from each idol that would keep us saying, Christian, love me more. In our joys and in our sorrows, days of toil, hours of ease, Jesus calls us in cares and pleasures, saying, Christian, love me more than these. Jesus calls us by your mercies. Savior, may we hear your call. Give our hearts in glad obedience. Serve and love you best of all. The call is there. Drop the nets and go. And watch watch what God does through you, just like he did through Peter. Let us pray. God, we thank you that we hear the call from you that comes from your lips to to our, our hearts, minds, and spirits. We thank you, dear Lord, that you ministered through Peter, and, and he's just an ordinary, unschooled man, but you used him in a powerful way. And you desire to use us, to use us to be in this transformational business. May we hear that call and be obedient to that call, dropping the nets and following you. God, as we gather at your table this day, may we see you in the reality of that call for you. Say, come, dine with me, be changed by me, and then be used by me. God, we thank you for this time where we can gather together and love on you and go be sent into this world in service for you, employed by you in the kingdom business. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.